idea. <laughs> Just went again. So what okay. are you what I'll, are you doing with your technology over there? I'm trying to say hello and for us to start on gripping reality if we could figure out what that is because I'm totally lost right now. <sighs> okay. All right. So that was so welcome, nice. Welcome to, welcome to gripping reality. We got to wait till everybody's in the room. There's one guy that's still out getting his cup of coffee and hasn't even come in and sat down yet. So can you come in and sit down and then we're going to start because we got something really serious to talk about today. Please. We do. And it's a, it's a miserable day in the Northwest and I really don't want to have to go over this again. Okay. And it is a lovely day in Rochester, New York. And let me tell you why. The sun is shining here. The unfortunate thing is it's about six miles above where I'm sitting right now. It's completely <laughs> overcast. It is cold. It is windy. It's miserable. But if you live above the clouds, kind of like a flying bird or a Canadian goose that's headed oh, south, geez. then you can see the sun and the blue sky all the time. That's where I live. Uh, well, I know. You've always been kind of that blue All right, so he got, wait a minute, the guy say. got his coffee sitting down. He's back? Okay, yeah, good, because right. I'm glad he's here to join us. And so thanks are... for showing up even when you yes. did. This is Gripping That's Reality, right. and we're going to explain why we call it Gripping Reality. Did you have a question about that, Mike? I was trying to figure out why we called it that, because <laughs> I think because you made me. We had a couple of other names, but the problem was we couldn't say them on the air. So we well, decided to like come up to with something grip, that was better. You will let me do get a grip. You said that we had to do something. No, get reality, a grip. So. No, because there's a disease called the grip, and we didn't want to have it be get the grip. And we didn't want that. So we're not even bringing that up. Just so you know, we're not going to talk about that. So we talked about gripping reality. I mean, ultimately, our show is about what is reality. Here's the problem. Is reality objective and my view our view is reality is not objective reality right. is subjective exactly so hu I human would, beings yeah. hum human beings can perceive what's going on around them and we put that into words which aren't the real items and then we figure out how those various pieces of reality work and then we figure out our relationship to them that's kind of what reality really is and the challenge that a lot of people have is they don't own their own reality they 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 don't have a handle on it it is there are thing, pieces of it that are moving around that they have never thought of or they don't have words for it and uh and when they come to us for counseling or for conversation or sitting down and have a cup of coffee uh oh and somebody else just joined us that was good um, the question always arises, how do I solve this problem? Well, what is the problem? I don't know how to say it. I'm not really sure. Well, let's try and get a grip on that. And so we ended up with gripping reality as, as kind of the lodge point, the starting point uh, of, of where, where we're going to help. But why gripping reality? Why is gripping reality important? Well, because if, if you can't... <clears throat> even begin to identify what's going on in your life, how in the world are you supposed to function at a level that makes any sense? And I think that that's part of, um, it, it's, it's very similar to um, mob mentality that you and I worked with when we were doing major conferences. 
And we had to plan for those those kinds of situations where uh, we would have, you know, several thousands of people in a room, and uh, and I mean, and this this literally happened. It didn't happen to us, fortunately, but we had to plan for it because it happened, and they hadn't planned for it, where uh, a person felt faint because it was really hot. It was in the middle of the summer. It was in August, and uh, happened to be, you know, a teenager. And this person felt faint, and they were walking, trying to walk out, and <clears throat> they passed out. Well, as soon as that happened, then several other people started getting up, trying to get out, because they were feeling faint. And pretty soon, they had people walking out of this giant arena where there were several thousands of young men and women, and they would get outside into into the lobby and into the the uh, platform outside and they would just start falling down like dominoes and it was had nothing to do really with their physical condition it had everything to do with the 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 situation where they weren't assessing what was going on they just saw somebody else go and they followed suit and all of a sudden it's oh my goodness i'm feeling faint and boom down they go and they had hundreds, hundreds of young men and women that were lying, <laughs> lying down, and nothing was wrong with them. But because they didn't really, they, they were not taking into account what was going on and stepping back and realizing this is what is happening, to put it in the parlance of what we're saying, this is my reality. That is not my reality over here of walking out there and passing out. I don't know what that is, but that's not me. But if I allow myself to go there and not think through what's going on and own where I am in, you know, in relationship to everything else going on around me, then I'm going to end up in that. But that's not reality. That's something else that I've just been sucked into this vortex. And, and so I'm not owning my own emotions. I'm not owning my own relationships. I'm not owning my own actions. Again, back to what is it doing to you and what are you going to do about it? Okay. Right. So there we are. But so before we, we get to those two questions, which really are kind of the, the uh, axles on which the wheels turn in our particular vehicle, we have to get further back in this whole process to what is the reality that we're trying to solve or resolve? And in order to be able to work on reality as you understand it, you have to be able to grip that reality. So some, let's come up with some anecdotes. I mean, people have been in huge conferences and seen kids faint. That That's a once every 20 years or even once in a lifetime kind of experience. The reality is that there are many more events that occur on a moment-by-moment -moment basis at work, in your neighborhood, in your home, uh, at school, in church, in synagogue, in, in any kind of gathering of human beings. And you will have a perception of what that event is, and you may say in your own mind, there's nothing I can do about that. 
I don't own it. So let's just say uh, you're on a public city bus and you spy a seat relatively near the door that's not uh, encroached upon by neighboring passengers sitting down, putting their elbows. It's a prime seat. And as you begin to move towards that seat, someone else zips in front of you and sits down. And you become incensed at the rudeness of the person who also saw the seat, but they were quicker than you were, and they sat down in that seat, which you, in your mind, had claimed for yourself. You are the angry person about that. The person sitting down, the neighbors, the bus driver, the guy in the car that just passed you, none of those people are angry. You're the one who is angry. However, in your mind, you may say, that guy made me so angry. So your anger belongs to him, or at least you're throwing it off on him. And Good. in your mind, how do you end up avoiding having a stomach ache, not wanting to eat, kicking the dog or the cat when you walk in the door, being an absolute miserable person at work because some guy on the bus made you angry? And that guy got off and never thought about it again. You might think about it for a week. The question then is, how do you get a hold of that as long as the other guy is responsible for your feelings, your perception, right. your attitude, your behavior? What we teach is grip that reality. Now, that's fairly benign. Right. A guy who steals your seat on the bus. Let's right. say in the area of anger, you had a father similar to mine whose method of discipline was take his belt off, use the buckle end to start swinging around. If you happen to catch a kid, it might leave a mark. It might make a cut. It might get, make your ears ring for a while. And that was the common form of discipline. So when you had children, when I had children, my thought was, what do fathers do? They pull their belt off. They start swinging around. That's what it means to discipline. And I said to myself, it's my dad's fault I'm that way. It's an environment right. I grew up in. Now, I'm not right. trying to victimize the victim. Do not understand that. What I'm saying is, if you're ever going to deal with a really difficult situation, you have to get a grip on your own reality and grip it and grip it hard. What we mean is, you take ownership. That's yours. Right. It's not anybody else's. Right. Now, the question comes, well, what if it is too sharp? It's it's my things in my life are shattered. They're broken. They're broken relationships, uh, failure at work. Uh, my home is is deteriorating. It is too sharp. It cuts me every time I try to hold it. So I just let it go. But what we need to do is give you some tools like gloves that have steel woven into them so you can handle something really, really, really sharp. Right. However, Steel gloves, when you're trying to handle something really hot that just came out of the oven, steel gloves are going to burn you worse than if you grip right. that hot reality. So you would need right. a different tool to deal with something hot right. or something super heavy or something super gooey or something super light. And you don't know how to handle something you can't quite get your hands on what we want to be able to do on gripping reality is talk about those kinds of issues, the benign things that are just fun for us to talk about. And also the incredibly serious down to the dirt life 
hard path, extremely tough matters that are too hot, too heavy, too sharp, too toxic, too poisonous, too boiling, too soft, too ethereal, too whatever for you to get a grip on, or they're just something you don't want to handle yet. Yet. Right. Well, so if you stay with us, you're going to jump in here. Go ahead and jump. Yeah, I'm going to jump in here because I think this, this is a, this is is vital for people to understand when we talk about gripping reality and the idea of victimization. And the there are victims. Okay, give it. Yes, that's okay. We we're not going to debate that. We understand that. The problem that seems the challenge that seems to be the very opportunity real, and, is yes. yeah the opportunity how we're going to look at that <laughs> Jeez. that we really need a we don't use the word problem <laughs> I want I want people who are watching to understand the word problem is one of our swear words we don't curse on this show and using problem is not one of the words we use we use opportunity or challenge opening so we need we need to really look at. <laughs> You're pushing the buttons. Those are other swear words, by the way. Yeah, Stay with us for yeah. a while. You're going to find out. Need, should, ought, and must. You're not allowed to use those words. Go ahead. Keep talking, Mike. I'm listening. I'm listening so, very yeah, carefully. Right. Yeah, I could, I could tell. <laughs> when, we, when we talk about the whole idea of victimization and what's happened to you, what we want to do is to help you understand not throw somebody under the bus. All no. of us have, I mean, for the most part, we've had people in our lives that have done things to us. And at some point, yes, we probably have been the victim at some point along the way. Some more serious and cataclysmic than others. Regardless of that situation, what we are trying to help you understand is what is this doing to you? So if you understand the action, That's first that question. Person, that's the first question. Right. Once you get that's a grip on reality, question. what's it doing to me? What what's is it doing, it doing, to, doing me? to me? So if I don't understand what really went on in that whole incident, or however you want to say it, my dad, way back to your, of, you know, my dad's discipline was he took the belt, you know, he took the the belt out and swung it in, you know, he didn't care as long as he hit somebody along the way. And that was discipline. Okay. We could say, well, you were a victim. Okay. I suppose that's probably fair. The bigger question though, is why, why was that going on? And what did that do to you in relationship now to your view of fatherhood, of your view of safety, of your view of belonging, of your view uh, so that's the but that's the second question mike that's the second question is what do i do with it so the the reality is to say that that my father when i was growing up uh he drank a lot uh he he was a very functional alcoholic but he could go to work he could drive he could do all these things he probably had alcohol in his system every single day of my life that i knew him that probably with without a doubt that was 
that was his life because he drank morning, noon, night. He, he that's the way he was. <clears throat> so that affected how he saw himself as a father of five children, right? And what he right. understood discipline to be. But my the anger, the fear, the resentment, the confusion right. about fatherhood role right. that belongs to me. So exactly. the question is, what exactly. he did. What does that do to me? That's the first question. Exactly. Now, what do I do with that? Right. I replicate that. Um, I ignore it and I'm numb. I right. uh, go Over, several degrees further beyond that. Yeah. I, you know, I make it even worse for right. my family. So then or two vital questions. Right. Once I can grip it or try to get a hold of it, what's it doing to me? And what am I going to do with it? Those become the questions we're going to deal with on gripping reality over and over and over and over. If you're bored with those two questions, stop watching now because that's all we're ever going to talk about. But if you're interested in those two questions and being able to have the tools to begin answering them, then stay with us because every topic we discuss are going to come back to, do I own it? Is it mine? Am I gripping this? Do I have a hold of this? And if I don't, how do I grip it? Then what is it doing to me now that I own it? And what am I going to do with it? And can I change any aspect of that? And that right. becomes right. the method of healing, right. of resolving. Right. We can do something about all three of those parts. How do you hold this? What's it doing to you? And what do you do with it? That's what this show is about. Right. right. And it, and it brings into line, it brings into intersection when you look at, you know, the, the, the model of which we use. And we'll talk about the book, Why Do People Act That Way? That's, that's, the, that's our book. Uh, we use that in our training. And in that picture is the picture of a Venn diagram made out of three heads. which Four heads. Just happened. Four heads. Not three. Four heads. Right there. Four heads. As I just happen to have right here, you know, perfect. And so, and there's four of them, not three. Right. Just so you there's know, four. No, there's four. At least here on the East Coast, we call that four. One, two, three, four. <laughs> and in the middle is our little diamond, cinnamon diamond that has the question right. mark, which is, well, we see cinnamon diamond, but cinnamon diamond, but those four areas of perceptions, emotions, motivations. And behaviors, those intersect and they impact each other on a continual basis. Right. If we don't isolate them and saying, well, it's just about emotions. Well, it's just about how you engage or disengage in your behaviors. Or it's all, it's all about your perceptions. We're saying that those 22 different aspects of what we have within those four components intersect on a consistent and continual basis and when we start working with those on a consistent basis and understanding how they interact then you will be able to understand what your reality really is and, and part of the hard. the the enjoyable or challenging it can be both challenging and enjoyable at the same time aspect of living life is that the mix of those four complexes and the 22 elements, we're going to be talking about all of that over time. The interaction between those is not consistent and evenly spaced. Let me give you an example. Let's just say uh, we were talking before about 
uh, an area of empowerment, what I call empowerment, which is being angry. Let's talk about exposure. Exposure is uh, feeling shy. So you're asked by your work to make a presentation or you're a student in school and you're asked to do a speech for class. Uh, you're going to get a grade on it at work. You're going to um, influence your section of the company with your presentation. And you are so scared you're about ready to pee your pants because getting up in front of people, number one fear of uh, human beings is public speaking, far more than spiders or snakes or fire. Right. Um, right. It, it's public speaking, number one. Right. So you are going to be asked to stand up in front of your class or in front of your component at work and make a speech. And you are nervous. You are anxious. You're feeling a great deal of, of uneasiness, butterflies in your stomach. Uh, you're not really quite sure what to do with it. If you can't, uh, first of all, identify exactly what's happening in your emotion, the question is, where does that unsettled feeling come from? Well, it's interactive with what you see. You're a very visual person, and visual stimulus distracts you so when people are all looking at you and you see all these eyes and then eyes look away or they look down that's bothersome to you now that's not true of everybody some people it's auditory or some people it's tactile or some people it's gustatory there's other parts of their lives that are more intense but for you it's visual so your fear is tied to the visual stimulus you get but you have a memory of being embarrassed once when you made a public presentation. You were called uh, by your mom who loved you riding your bicycle on one wheel to ride in front of all your relatives at a Thanksgiving event. And you fell over and everyone laughed at you. So now you have a memory that was tied to a public presentation at which you were laughed at. Some kids love that, and they'll do the silliest thing for people that others, that becomes a burned-in memory that they right. just can't get over. And you have thoughts about your employment or your friendships and your visual and your emotion of fear, and now those are interactive. So when we talk right, about that right. cinnamon diamond, there's your behaviors, there's some motivation there, there's some memory, there's visual stimulus, there's how you feel about it. And now all of a sudden they start playing on each other and the interaction is something that gets out of control. Right. That's the kind of thing we're talking about. It's not that every single aspect of your life is constantly right. in equal portions beating down or lifting up on who you are, it's always changing. We want to give you the tools to actually own that. Answer the question, what's it doing to me? What can I do with it? Go, Mike, and, say something. Uh, Dead air time. Well, I know. We don't want to do that. I, I think that, the, that in, in response to perceptions <clears throat> that there are what's interesting in that that scenario you're talking about one of the ones you left out was imagination yeah and and people who have highly developed a sense of imagination can that can drive 
uh, huge amounts of angst in that setting where you are uh, you're you're having to get up in front of somebody, but you are imagining all kinds of scenarios that are going on. Why? Because that is one of your primary perceptions, one of your primary senses that you perceive out here. So all of a sudden you have gotten yourself way out extended when that is not reality. But you have allowed yourself to go there because that is the strength of your perceptions. Correct. The senses that helped you move that direction. And now you're really in the weeds because you didn't understand that's where this all came from. So, so, so not, that illustration of imagination, that's one of the 10 senses of perception. We'll talk about that. But when let's talk, we're staying on the area of public speaking. I remember when I was in 10th grade, our speech teacher, that was, we were required to take speech back then, public speaking and rhetoric. And the speech teacher said, okay, if you're nervous, one of the techniques is to imagine the audience as sitting there in their underwear. Right. And that's supposed to be funny. So that right. the idea of the teacher was imagine everyone in their underwear. There was one girl in our class that was overwhelmed by the imagination of that because she not only imagined all of the audience in their underwear and some of them were so butt ugly that she found that funny. She also imagined herself in her underwear. Exactly. She couldn't get that out of her mind. And the reality was that was so terrifying because her body image in her mind, her imagination was also so butt ugly that she was actually speechless. She could not get a word out of her mouth. She choked up entirely, ran out of the classroom in tears and it was a very, very, very long time to get her to not be hyperventilating and overwhelming until she finally talked to the teacher in private. I found this out years later, talked to the teacher in private, that the idea, the imagination suggestion of see everybody in their underwear meant she saw herself in her underwear. Right. Right. And that imagination was right. overwhelming. So now we have a different sense not just memory, not just visual, but now imagination is playing in. And that could be the most powerful sense at the moment. So you no longer see anything that's going on in the real, so to speak, world, but you see the imagination in your perception that overwhelms everything. That becomes your number one sense of perception. That's what's creating the fear or anxiety or shame or guilt or whatever it is that's going on. That's a great illustration uh, to be able to talk about how these things become interactive. That's what we're going to be talking about in great. And let's let, let's let's go in a little different direction here. In why in the world would we? I mean, it's like okay, reality. Who really cares? So. And the question is, I'm a parent, I have kids, you know, um, I, I, this sounds really nice, but why is that important to me? I mean, why should I bother to understand reality in the vein of raising my kids? How does okay. that work? Why is, why is that important? 
Why'd so how old that? is this Why? parent we're talking about in theory? 32 with a four-year-old? Uh, yeah, yeah, they're in the 30s. Or 47. Uh, let's, let's go with, uh, let's go with the, the mid thirties and then we'll go to the teenage years and the mid forties. Why is this okay. important? I mean, why do you see this as important? Okay. So, uh, I have a whole bunch of grandchildren, 13 of them. As a matter of fact, did I show you my grandchildren? I have a cup oh, with stop. all of my grandchildren. Stop. I know, I know. Stop. Anyway, so <laughs> there's 13 of them. I raised four children and I have 13 grandchildren. And here's what's fascinating. Just yesterday, I was trying to watch a football game, uh, relaxing. Uh, and uh, my grandchildren, we had uh, five, five of them at my house. They were playing hide and seek. One of the children was it, and the other four were supposed to hide somewhere around the house. All four of them came parading into my room and to hide in our closet where all up so I could hear them rustling around and they were saying, Grandpa, don't tell the other one where we are. Fine. One of my grandchildren is a uh, investigator. He's an instigator. He's the kind of kid that if there's trouble to be made, he's the one who's going to make it. He is uh, he wants to hide under the bed, climb on top of the door get on the shelf that's extra, extremely unstable, even when the other grandchildren are saying, don't climb up there, you're going to make too much noise, he'll do it anyway. And as soon as you say, don't do this, immediately he's going to do it. Exactly, right. The other ones are much more compliant. So you end up with a very compliant group and then one, let's call them Outlier. black sheep of the family. Right. He's the Outlier. troublemaker. He's the one yeah. that is going to push the buttons. <laughs> now- is if I see that child as my particular problem person, I have to corral that child, force him to obey the rules, break his spirit, but that's the one child who is going to be an incredible leader of others. That person is going to get other people to do things that they right. wouldn't ordinarily do. That can be for evil exactly. and it can be for good. So the question is, while that child is growing up in my home, if I understand what's really going on with a child right. who's wired to lead, right. exactly. I will see that as a threat. If I see right. that child as a child wired to lead, and that is an incredible gift, I'm going to treat every situation that occurs with policy and setting another policy, a rule and breaking the rule of building a restriction and overcoming a restriction. I'm going to see that very differently if I change my sense of reality, own it differently, then what does it do to me and what am I going to do with it? All those questions are different. If I see that as a budding leader, a hero, a top shelf person, instead of a follower, uh, a cog in the machine, uh, somebody who complies. So, so that's what we want to talk about. We want to talk about those kinds of situations because changing your sense of reality and your place in it makes all the difference in the world. Your most problem child becomes now your best benefit. 
Right, right. And, and, maybe the, <clears throat> and maybe the oldest one, but it might not. In my family, it's not the oldest one. Right. So what exactly. I want to do is get that child on my side, let them <laughs> set the policy. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to get the other grandchildren all to line up exactly. to their exactly. policy. Right. So my objective is not set rules that break the spirit of my leader child. It is inscript, conscript my leader child to help set the rules and policies wisely, safely, as, as well as possible, and then let them go to lead the family. Now we have something really going on. Exactly. That's really different. Yeah, yeah. That's very different. And what I believe is the, that dynamic of when you are looking at your children, you look you're paying attention through the grid that helps you understand each one of the realities that are in front of you. Sure. I think where parents struggle uh, mightily is in that very, that very setting and venue you're talking about where maybe you've had, I mean, I had, I have five children. And so maybe the first three are very much compliant a standard, which it's not true in my family, but you have you have that dynamic going on, and if you are viewing all of your children through the same, if you give them the same grid instead of viewing their realities of how they live life and what you're looking at, that you own the reality of one, two, three, four, and five, that they're very unique individuals. So as you do that, the very thing you're talking about is what you'll start to be able to do with your kids. Because there's really nothing, I think, that's, that can be cause you more grief in your family than trying to deal with your children all the same way and see them as the same personality see them as the same kind of dynamic that they have in their lives because this is just who we are. If you do that, you're going to miss those opportunities. Instead of, you're going to see the one who is climbing the walls, who is out there as the problem, not what's sitting in front of you. That doesn't mean you don't fix bad behavior. That's not the issue here. The issue is what are you looking at? And so many times, people don't take the time to step back. Parents step back and look at the reality of their son or daughter and try and figure out what am I really looking at here in relationship to them. And so that piece of reality is huge. So we'll come back. Come back to perceptions. Let's go back to perceptions just for a second. What do you do with a child who has, who has uh, their reality triggered uh, their huge uh, person with olfactories that smell totally bothers them or helps them, and the rest of the family's not like that? And trying to navigate that, and you're always going, oh, just get over it. Oh, can't you smell that? Smell what? What are you talking about? Why that? Oh, it's just awful. Well, just, you know, no, it's fine. You're okay. There's nothing wrong. There's nothing that smells. 
you know, and the and and the child is physically right, but upset. you may have a three-year-old or a four-year-old who is wired with a very intense olfactory system, and they don't have the words even to say, exactly. "Can't you smell that?" Because they right. their brain is filled with what they see as offensive. It's the smell of mold or body odor right, or, right, or meat right. cooking. And they hate the smell of meat cooking, but, the, but they don't have the language to even say, I smelled something that I don't like because they don't understand how that works, but they get in a nasty mood and they start punching and fighting and kicking and biting everybody. And you send them to their room and they're disciplined. They don't get any dinner and on, you yell at them and on and on and on. The problem is they have a perception they cannot talk about. And right. even if they're 13, they may have no ability to talk about what's going on in their life. So we've been talking about family for a long time. Let's jump to an entirely different area because gripping sure. reality sure. is not just about family. You're a small no. business owner and you are ready to throw in the towel and just quit, walk away from your business. You just can't stand people anymore. Customers drive you crazy. And in your mind, your reality is painted with the ever, never, always brush. You, you, right. your, com your thinking is everybody these days trying to rip me off. I do not have any good customers. No one is helping me at all. I'm in this alone. And so you paint all of your environment with ever, never, always language. One of the forbidden words that we use, everything, always, never, it just is right. a lie. It just ignores information that's really counter to your viewpoint. So you look at that, and when we, we do a lot of business consulting, and, and, and so we'll sit down with the business owners ready to throw in the towel and let that person, man or woman, say, tell me about your customers, your customer base. Tell me what happened in the last week. It's just they they were gnawing on me. It was just horrible. Everybody. Okay. What actually happened last week? Ah, oh, everyone was miserable. The customers are just, they were pitiful. They're just, I can't stand people anymore. Okay. Let's settle that down a little bit. Tell me some stories. Well, there's this guy that walked in and tell me the story. Okay. That was one. Next. Well, there was a second woman who came in and she did this and this and this and this. All right. Um, those are the only ones I can think of right now, but those two were bad enough to compensate for everything else. So you had, let's say, um, 300 customers last week, and three of them, 1%, were really miserable. Um, right. Has it ever occurred to you that you could say to a customer, I really do not want you to come back to my store? Well, no, the customer's always right. Always? That's one of the words we don't use, ever, never, always. Um, let, let's figure out a way that you can make sure that that customer doesn't stay with you. Well, I don't want to lose a customer. They're going to badmouth me. Um, that customer is going to badmouth you anyway. <laughs> They're already badmouthing you. So since, since that customer is going to badmouth right. you anyway, then when you right. hear the badmouthing come back, you can say, yeah, I kicked that customer out of my store for that exact reason. You want that customer? Right. Let me tell you what, you're going to kick them out after a while too. And you can feel good about it. Now we come up with some strategies to move from ever, never, always language to right. what is really going on right. with your customer right. base. <clears throat> let's take that. Let's step back a little bit. Let's get a little breathing. You need one week off. You need one day off. You need one afternoon off. Put a sign on your door that says mental health day went fishing. Whatever it happens to be, we'll give you some tools to be able to talk about that. But it's not just family life. And it's not just uh, critical 
explosive uh, nuclear situations. It can be right. the normal course of business. You really want to be able to talk right. about some things that matter in that area. We can talk about right. that too. Right. right. And that's, and that's, that's huge from the standpoint of where, when we're talking about the reality and one of the things that we do and we want to help people understand and facilitate. And one of the things we do in our training is to help them how to build teams, particularly if you're in a nonprofit, if you're in a business, um, sports, what does it take to really make a, an effective team? And if you can, if we can help you understand the facilitation of reality by using the perceptions, emotions, motivations, and behaviors, you're going to be able to build something that's very, very different than what you probably have, have struggled with in the past. And one of the things we, we, we talk about is that how, how these impact each other. So if you have someone who is, um, again, if we're, we're back to um, our perceptions are such that they are an auditory type person, they're visual in how they learn, they're visual in what, they, what happens, and that impacts their emotions. And so if you're trying to, if you're trying to coach, uh, say, a soccer team, and this, this young person is very, very visual, and you, you know that they're very gifted and they're very skilled, but for whatever reason, you can't seem to get them engaged and they always are like standing around looking, trying to figure things out because you have missed the realities that they are a visual person and that, that you're an auditory coach. So <laughs> you are always giving them commands. You're telling them what to do and where to go. And they're going, coach, show me. How to make a shot on, on goal. Me. Right. And, right. and they want to see show it. Me. They Right. Right. If I could see it, I could do it, but I can't see it in my mind when you keep telling me what I should be doing or how this works uh, doesn't work for me. Now, if you get out here and show me, and then what happens? Because I am a visual person, and now I, I am, I'm disengaging in my behavior because I, I don't want to make a mistake, so what happens i have exposure because i'm fearful that keeps climbing up there because you're yelling and trying to get me to go and do what i'm supposed to do and giving me instructions auditorily and you and you're like you say what is wrong with this kid well because their reality is not the one you have painted for them their reality is very different you that sense of standing back understanding Oh, I get it. And even as simply as talking to your team and asking very simple questions and saying, how do you learn best? I mean, what is it that you need? And that's a very good word well, at that point. Right. What is it you but need from me to be able for me to coach you well? What is, but what some is of the your... young people have no idea what their learning style is. To be able to have some tools, let's say as a coach, some tools to be able to speculate, you can't necessarily prove, but you can begin to speculate 
on the learning style of the various people who are on your team so that for those who are auditory, you can teach with instruction. For those who are visual, you can have demonstration. If you can't demonstrate, then you have some of your top uh, physical specimen students who are able to do the demonstrations. You let them be your examples. Right. Exactly. Some of them are kinetic. You have to get some of them are experiential learners no matter what you right. say no matter what you show it does not matter they've got to be out on the field doing it and they're going to learn from experience but if you can understand the various factors that go into that it will reduce your stress greatly in being right. an effective coach and increase right. your ability to work with those young <clears throat> people when i was getting ready to publish the book and the book by the way is called why do people act that way and parentheses, and what can I do about it? Both of those questions are extremely important. Why do people act the way they do, and what can I do about it? So I was talking to a coach of uh, his son's soccer team, a bunch of 10 and 11-year-olds and boys, and he said to me, I, I really need to read that book. Why do people act that way, and what can I do about it? And I said, uh, tell me why. And he said, when a kid is emotional, and is emotional, I just shut off. I have no idea. I, I don't even want to talk to a kid. I said, what do you mean by emotional? Here's exactly what he said. I'm quoting exactly what he said. When a kid comes up to me and looks angry or is crying or doing nothing, I, I just walk away. And I said, he looks angry or he's crying or he's doing nothing. Doing nothing is emotional. And the coach said, if the kid's coming up to me, he's got an agenda, but I have no idea what it is. So if he looks like he's doing nothing, he's doing something, but I don't know what it is. And I don't understand emotionalism, so I don't want to talk to him. I thought, well, that is really interesting. He goes, so I think I probably need to buy your book. And I thought to myself, you need to buy the book, not because of the students who are emotional, but because you shut down. That's in right. emotion. And it was it was fascinating. So and I don't know whether he ever bought the book. It was a conversation we were having in passing. But the reality is we'll talk about those kinds of things as well yeah. in gripping reality. We're going to cover every subject that we can ever imagine. And you can write to us. To, my spell Mike with a Y and West Coast Mike spells Mike with an I. So you can write to either one of us. Mike at grippingreality.com. Pose a question situation out there. fire back at us push hard uh uh draw out what you want to be able to draw out if you write to either mike with a y or an i mike at grippingreality.com we're going to get that email and that's going to be part of one of our future uh podcasts that we can deal with issues that really matter to you because right. they matter to other people as well. Oh, and somebody just came in with a cup of coffee thanks for coming in late but that's fine we don't mind if you show up late <laughs> That's great. So I want to finish up with just this one little piece that I think is one of the things you and I talk about on this whole thing of saying, okay, uh, before we close out gripping why we came up with his name, but you're saying, okay, like young people, a lot of times they, they don't even know. They don't know what, what, um, uh, what their perceptions or senses are, or their learning styles, those kinds of things. But they will give you clues. Yeah, they will give you clues. You, if you listen, because they will say things like, I hear you, coach. I hear you, coach. 
Well, what does that tell you? Auditory kid. Auditory. You That's use right. the word here. I hear you. I hear I you. See, I see what uh, you mean. I see what you mean. I see it. So what kind of kid is that? Ah, it's a visual a kid. A visual kid. Yeah. At least we don't know for sure. But, but a kid who uses you... visual expressions. Oh, the light just went on. Yeah. There you I go. got a bright idea. Yeah. Or I'm in touch with that. Okay. Hmm. Or I, you know, let, me, let me touch. Yeah. Yeah. I'll touch base so, with you later. I'll touch base with you later. Mm-hmm. So they will give you clues that are going to help you begin to understand. You know, if you that, that illustration that. that you just used stinks. That just totally stinks. <laughs> olfactory. That's an olfactory. Yeah. That leaves me with a bad taste in my mouth. In my Augustatory. Mouth. Uh, yeah, uh, that re- you know, I that makes me remember. Now you have somebody uh, yeah, who's yeah, yeah. the reality is the verbs and words that people use will cue you in as to how they see reality. That allows you to be one, maybe two steps ahead two in the conversation exactly. if you learn how to listen and watch just exactly. a little better. That's right. what we're going to teach, and that idea right. doesn't stink. That actually no, is pretty sweet. That's a good one. Sweet. <laughs> That's a gustatory person. <laughs> nice. All right. So thanks for watching today. Our website is grippingreality.com. www.grippingreality.com. We also have why do people act that way.com or WDPATW, the initials of why do people act that way.com. You can find, type right. in Google Gripping Reality, Reality podcast, Mike up. and Mike. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. can find, with technology today, I mean, you can be the stupidest person in the world. You can hit the little <laughs> microphone button and say Gripping Reality, Reality, and they'll spell it out for you. You don't need to know anything about technology at all. If you can't find us, well, too bad. That sucks to be you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Until next time. Later. Were there any subjects we didn't cover yet today? No, we'll get there later. Yeah, there were. There were tons. (laughs) Keep watching. Come back. Get your coffee. Show up early.